If you're law enforcement, stop and listen to me right now. If you're a police department that does not have an LPR system, Insight is offering the first 10 agencies, that means one agency apiece, gets one camera for free. You have to tell them that two cops, one donut sent you. You heard me right. If you're a police agency that does not have an LPR system yet, or does have an LPR system, and you're not happy with the product you have, Insight is offering you a free camera, no strings attached, and they will install it. I have 10 to give out. Tell them two cops, one donut sent you, or reach out to me, and I will get you in contact. If you're a business owner or an HOA, please stop and listen to me right now. If you're just listening to the audio, do yourself a favor and watch the YouTube version of this episode to get a visual of what I'm about to tell you. I want to tell you guys about Insight LPR. It's a license plate reader. If your agency, community, or business is looking to invest in LPR to help solve and deter crime or to make your community safer, Insight LPR has my vote of confidence. I've met with their team. They know their LPRs, guys. Uh, They're the real deal. They bring over 75 years of collective experience to building LPR cameras and the software that supports communities across the country. The other thing I really like about this team is how much they listen to law enforcement. They understand the importance of working together with law enforcement and getting their input as they build and innovate products and their service to match the needs of law enforcement. In other words, when I complain or have suggestions to make their damn camera better, they actually do it. The Insight LPR team is extremely passionate and takes pride in their product development, which makes their cameras some of the most durable cameras in the market. For the gear nerds out there with that means is this stuff's made of military grade aluminum and is nitrogen purged whatever that means this design makes the cameras rugged and able to withstand harsh weather elements here's the big selling point for me their nighttime scan accuracy is higher than most of the leading competitors in my opinion this is what sets them apart as we know the majority of crimes occur at night so it's critical to have high scan accuracy at night insights cameras check the box with the nighttime plate read accuracy greater than 96% 96% guys that's pretty freaking high. If your community is looking to invest in LPR technology, reach out to one of their experts today or reach out to me. Tell them Two Cops, One Donut sent you. Coming up next on Two Cops, One Donut. So I'll pose that like, so what do you think about when you think of backpacks? Hiking, camping. Okay. Personally, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I got a ton of backpacks. So <laughs> so, back. so what do you think about from perspective of an officer? A backpack as a cop? Yeah. Um, dope transportation, money, guns. Yeah. Yeah. As a cop. Yeah. Instantly. So my instinct is camping though. (laughs) So same thing. Um, so yeah, basically, um, I think of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, When I think of a backpack, I think of, um, as Robert, the mentor, I think of style, uh, trendy fashion, you know, because I know the kids love them. Yeah. You know, but as an officer, I think of concealment. Yeah, I, I think of weapons and and, and guns. I mean, and, and drugs because again, I was that guy working yeah. undercover. Yeah, you know. But as a parent, I think of education. You know, with the backpack. You know, that's what okay. it's, that's what it's designed for. So, what about hoodie? Hoodie, uh, yeah, right away. Suspect. Every suspect description. Hoodie. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. me growing up in Michigan, I'm like, that's the national anthem. All right. See <laughs> so. So same thing, yeah. you know, same thing. You yeah. think backpack, you know what I mean? You think hoodie, yeah. holy sauce, you think somebody getting ready to hit a lick. Right? Yeah, especially and if that shit's up and it's Texas. <laughs> You're like, why'd you hood up, bro? It's, it's summertime. Yeah, yeah. And, and but as the mentor in me, I know that that is just a, a comfort. Uh, it's it's it's, uh, it, it's fashion for the kids. It, it's, it's the time that we're living in. And, mm-hmm. and I'm the kind of guy I like hoodies, too. 
you know, but also as the mentor, I, I know that the hoodie comes with um, uh, uh, the stigma, the bullying. Some of the kids, it's the social emotional aspect of it because some of the kids may not have a haircut, so they wear hoodies. They don't uh-huh. want to get picked on. They, and they can't wear hats in school. They don't want to get bullied. You know, they'll allow them to wear hoodies. They won't allow right. them to wear hats. All right, and we're back. Eric Levine, Two Cops, One Donut. This is my podcast attempting to bridge the gap between first responders and the community. Special guest today is a homicide sergeant, uh, Robert Walsh, with this uh, nonprofit called NextMetropolitan.org. How are you doing, brother? Doing well. How about you? I'm doing great. It's kind of weird, isn't it? A little yeah. cop-ran podcast. Yeah, a little bit. And it's named Two Cops, One Donut, right? But it's needed, right? It is needed. I yeah. think so. Um so I got introduced uh, through a mutual friend. I think it was Kern. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gerald Kern. Um, met that guy uh, doing an extra duty. Um, I was working traffic um, in, a down, in our downtown area. And mm-hmm. I always wear, during Christmas time, I wear Christmas lights okay. around on a, on a part-time. Not, not on regular duty, but on part-time. And I found in the downtown area, cops are constantly having to tell people what to do because they don't drive the best during the holidays. Go figure. And um, the lights are a way to de-escalate things before they ever get started because they're like, oh, this cop can't be that bad. Look, he's festive. Yeah. (laughs) And so I kind of tested that theory. And ever since I started wearing them, people treated me better. So I wore those. But Gerald was out doing his photography thing and – He's listening to me interact with the citizens, um, and I didn't realize he was listening to me, but he's paying attention, and then eventually he's just like, I love the way you're being, you do police work. He's like, you, you're talking to people and actually having conversations. Yeah. Can I get your picture? I was like, okay, yeah, you could have got my picture even if I told you no, so yeah. take it. So right. Gerald took this picture, and it ended up blowing up on the the, the little internets that were on, nothing Nothing viral by any means, <laughs> but um, got a lot of good feedback. And, you know, ever since then, we've been friends and he's keeps introduced since I started this. He's been introducing me to more and more people. And mm-hmm. uh, now I got you on, man. Yeah, yeah definitely. Right. OK, so um, the way that the format for this show tends to break down is I like to humanize you first. Um, I'm giving my formula away to to the haters out there. But uh, um, I like to humanize first. So uh, I start that off with like. Where are you from? How did you get into police work? Like what, what led that path? What's your education level at? All that good stuff. So Okay, well, I grew up in uh, Louisiana, just outside of uh, New Orleans. I'm sorry. Kenner, Louisiana. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, my, trash. yes, my city has to be on the map. Kenner, Louisiana. And you know what? In the fifth grade, it sounds like a cliche, but the D.A.R.E. program, you know, I was introduced to it and the officer just had that impact kind of like you, you know, yeah. he was very innovative and the crazy part about it was when I graduated from undergrad and I'll tell you a little bit about that, but um, I saw him at a store and he knew my name. He remembered. Yeah. He that did. is big. Yeah. He, he knew my name and I was like, man, I know I'm going in the right path because I wanted to be that guy, you know? So, yeah. so growing up again, um, 
in Louisiana, New Orleans and seeing everything that I've seen and, you know, family being involved in a lot of that. I just wanted to do something different. Wanted to go against the grain. I've always been that guy that probably does my own thing <laughs> and, you know, just decided to do something different. And uh, I wasn't the guy that really knew exactly how to get, you know, where I wanted to go. Okay. So at that point, um, after graduation, I started pushing buggies at Walmart. Buggies. Yeah. Okay. We yeah. call those shopping carts yeah, from the north. You know what? I know we're in the south. Yeah. And, but I'm just, know. for those normal people listening, a buggy <laughs> is a shopping cart. Hey, I've got a little of that, you know, Midwest in me. You know, I was actually born in Illinois, but. Okay. Yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. But, you know, I, I put shopping carts, let's say that. All right. Uh, all the way through grad school, you know. Um, but that first year, I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. So it was an opportunity for me to grow and mature a little bit. And eventually I, I decided I can't do this forever. Okay. So I was fortunate enough to um, attend Southern University uh, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is a HBCU where I earned my bachelor's and master's in criminal justice. All right. Yeah. Nice. All right. So you, first off, I think we got to kind of explain what dare is because I think we're dating ourselves because I remember <laughs> dare I crime crime. Was it McGruff? Yeah. McGruff, the crime dog. That's crime what it was. Dog. So the dare program was a, um, dare to keep kids off of drugs yeah. back in the day. And you get these, black shirts with dare written across it in red and i think it was the reagans that pushed that was it reagan yeah i, I believe so I think drug it, abuse resistant education or something like that yeah yeah um and it was this huge movement to to scare the shit out of kids <laughs> you remember this is your brain this is your brain on drugs i think that was funded by dare and all that stuff so yeah. um but no dare was very impactful um and just like you said i remember as a kid the 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 officers that came in to explain dare, I just remember looking at them going, Oh my God, these guys are awesome. They've got their stuff together. And you know, I'm, I'm just going to say no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was their whole slogan. Just say no. And, uh, I, I don't know if that person, like, cause I got offered, I grew up in Flint, Michigan. So I got offered drugs and, uh, mine, I, I just remember the officer from our dare program that told me specifically, He's like, you play sports, right? He's like, yeah. And he's like, that's your excuse. He's like, it's an easy outlet. I can't, man. They drug test. I yeah. And use that. I mean, that was when I got older. But um, it's like, yeah, you're right. So that was what I that was my go-to for, for my friends that didn't play sports. And we're trying to pressure you. <laughs> like, ah, oh, I can't, man. They do the P test. And they're like, they still do that? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Never got P tested. <laughs> At the beginning of the season, you do. Yeah. But, uh, no, that's that's good stuff. All right, so you you decided to go for your master's in criminal criminal justice as well. So, um, I got my master's in criminology and criminal justice from TCU. Okay, um, and I cannot tell you how many people that don't even have a master's degree be like, "Oh man, you're wasting your time. You're yeah, wasting your time." Definitely. I and I I don't agree with that. I heard the same thing. Yeah, I don't agree with that. Especially now, it seems like there's more of a push because they're finding out that if you put a administrative person degree in the top spots of police work they're not doing the best the yeah. ones that are doing the best are the ones that understand the full encompassing nature of the criminal justice system and yeah and no stats and no little nerdy things how to blow through someone's bullshit stats that they're trying to put out there and <laughs> stuff like that you know we can turn stats into anything we want them to be so um, no, that's cool. So you did they do any sports, do any extracurricular activities while you was there? 
No, look nothing. at me, man. I'm, I'm five foot nothing, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, Muggsy no. Bogues, he made it to the NBA. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, that's rare. <laughs> Let, let's be realistic. <laughs> all right, all right. You know, maybe you did bowling. I don't know. There's obscure sports. Maybe you played an instrument. This is south. Oh, wow. There's a no. lot of instruments down south. No, no, no. None no, of that? No, no, no. So you none just went that. straight school? No military? No, no military. Any military. Anybody in your family police? Never. No. Ever. So you're the first. First to graduate high school, first to go to college, first to be a cop. Yeah. Okay. So in your, your upbringing, any strife? Was it, uh, were you middle class? Were you lower economic class? Lower. Yeah. Lower? Had two strong parents that, that you know, really did what they could okay. to kind of keep us out the street. And, and, you know, I had a goal. I had a goal early on in life. So, yeah. you know, never strayed from it. So I, I don't know how, probably prayers. You know, okay. I wasn't the kid that liked drugs or wanted to experiment. If I said no, this is what it was. You know, yeah, okay. And probably because I knew what, what was waiting on me at home. <laughs> uh, okay, I got gotcha. you. Well, that goes into more of what we'll talk about later. But having parents, yeah, plural, <laughs> having two strong people there, that can make a difference when it comes to juvenile paths, when it comes to crime or, or even like me, I teetered on the side, like I was, I could have <laughs> fell on either side of the fence. Um, I got, and my dad was a cop, but he was a cop down here. See. <laughs> See. So I only had to behave during the summer, <laughs> <laughs> but all right, man. So I like that. Uh, so you, you get your degree. Now you got to decide what you're going to do with it. Yeah, correct. So what was the, what was the idea? Was you trying to go to a three letter agency? At first, like everybody that gets a degree, you know, you know, everybody has that, that dream, you know, Mm -hmm. but you know, in undergrad, a buddy of mine who ended up uh, here in North Texas as well, you know, we were thinking, what are we going to do? And he ended up coming here and I was like, man, I'm already broke. (laughs) Why not just go and, you know, push a little couple more years and get a master's degree. And when I uh, came here, I just decided, you know, I think I like this a little bit more because of the. The, the relational police a- aspect of it, you know, yeah, those three letter words, you know, they don't, yeah, they don't really get into the community as much as I would like, at least. Yeah, I, I was, man, when I was first got my bachelor's, I was like, and I was in the military, so I was like, FBI all the way, CIA, one of the two. Like, I was like, that my goal is like, I'm gonna get in there. So I get this interview, and you want to talk about unprepared? Now, <laughs> we're talking 2010, so. It's not that Google wasn't a thing and all that stuff, but the 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 way we research now versus then, like, yeah. there wasn't much out there. So I looked up stuff on how to interview for the FBI. I wasn't prepared. <laughs> they were asking me a lot of foreign policy stuff, like who's the leader of Russia, who's the leader of Cuba, and I'm like, okay, Putin, uh, I got that one. Then they're like, who's the leader of China? I was like, Kim Jong Il. <laughs> no, that's Korea, I think. And they're like, is it? I'm like, all right, listen, um, I don't know anything about foreign policy. I don't really care. I yeah. was like, I guard nukes. I work for the military. I have a secret, top secret clearance. Um, if you give me a mission, I'll get it done. <laughs> and they started laughing. I was like, because <laughs> I, like, I have a feeling you got more questions about foreign policy, and I'm just looking dumber and dumber. Yeah, so let's, let's just skip that, let, right? Yeah, let's be real. Uh, if this is what you're looking for, this is what I got. If you're not. It was, it was a learning experience and they just, they, they were cool about it, but yeah, I didn't get a call. (laughs) So, um, I started looking at local agencies, um, and I went 
as soon as I was seven, I had already got hired just before I separated. So I applied all over the nation, but I wasn't choosy. I didn't pick well enough. I got to a spot in Michigan. I didn't like, um, just not enough opportunity. It's Mm -hmm. not that they were bad, but not enough opportunity. And, um, police aren't really liked as much up there anyway. So I wanted to go somewhere where the police are supported. And then I ended up coming down here. And just like you said, it, there's a big difference between the three letter agencies when it comes to working with the public and, and what we do today. So, Mm -hmm. so you choose, uh, Texas. Um, and what is your, what is your idea about becoming a cop? Really all based off of what I saw, of course, in school, you know, being in criminal justice, I had some professors that were actually, uh, cops. Okay. You know, so one of my lead instructors was a homicide investigator. So it was cool to get the the real inside scoop of what the life was would really be like. And then mm-hmm. I had a buddy again who was already an officer. So, you know, I, I had a realistic expectation of what was what was to come, you know. Right. And okay. then anything was better than New Orleans, you know, as far as law enforcement, you know, it couldn't be that bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I you know, obviously as a kid, I would have never paid attention to New Orleans, especially being up in Michigan. But through college, I learned a lot about New Orleans yeah, police definitely. and in the shit that they went through, the corruption and stuff like that. Um, but that goes into what happens to your police when they're not supported. Mm-hmm. That's the, the, the just the downward spiral that can happen when you're not supporting your police. So um, I learned a lot in my education line when it came to New Orleans. Um they, they're on the right path now, so yeah. I'm not slamming you in New Orleans. I'm just... Yeah, a lot of great officers yeah. there. I mean, yeah. they definitely are more experienced, and, and so I've met a couple of those guys, and every time I go home, I make sure, you know, they know that, you know, I appreciate them because yeah. I was that kid that they helped protect, so... Yeah, that's awesome. And it's kind of funny that the two police guys that you've mentioned so far, you followed the path of both of them. <laughs> <laughs> so you're an impressionable young man by good people. <laughs> Uh, all right. So you go and you choose Texas and now you're deciding just like any cop, you get hired, um, and you start seeing like, especially you're, you're at a fairly large agency, uh, mm-hmm. compared to the rest of the nation. And now you get to see all your options. You're like, Oh shit, I can go be a bike cop. I can go be a, a SWAT guy I can go be Kano. What are all these different options? Did your, did your path, was it chosen? Did you like, have you stayed strict to what you wanted to do or yeah. did you, you did? Yeah, definitely. Damn son. You just definitely. focus motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you had to, you know, and, and ask me how, I don't know. But yeah. I, I always knew what I was going to do. Okay. Yeah. And you, so homicide was the, the, the path for you. Well, even before that I was, I was in narcs. So, okay. So there's was, the dare part. That, that was, my, that was my first love. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you go narc. Yeah. All right. Now, did you do any UC stuff? A lot of, it. any interesting, a lot of, it. okay. Lot of it. Everybody's always going to want, Ooh, what's the coolest story? No, I don't want the coolest story. Biggest bus. I don't want that. I want, what was the impactful ones? What was the one where you changed somebody's life? Do you got any of those? Uh, off the I, top of your I head. I would probably think, you know, the crappy is, um, locations so let's say that um there have been so many locations where as narcs we're like oh man it's not gonna be much in there as far as I'm narcotics and, yeah yeah, yeah and, and money and things and seizures you know but 
some of the best ones are the ones that are just, you know, life changing. One of the quality, the quality of life warrants that you execute yeah. on locations, because I still have parents that live in those areas. And um, just to see those kids and, and get those kids out of those environments and in, into the hands of uh, child protective services and hope that the parents have an opportunity to rehabilitate themselves, you know. Yeah. And, and I get it. You know, I come from that environment. I know that you're probably whatever led you to sell to sell drugs, I don't judge you for it, you know, and I always told them that I, I'm not here to judge you, but, but there are, there are consequences based off of what you did. And a lot of the guys always said, man, you were cool. You're a cool dude. Yeah. You know, I'll still hang with you. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of the things I'm trying to teach some of the younger officers. I'm like, look, the relationships you start today will pay off. Yeah, definitely. Down the road, because especially in NARC, you know, um, I dabbled with NARC stuff. I didn't get on the NARC unit by any means, but I worked with them all the time just because mm-hmm. I just wanted to play and kind of figure that side of the house out, see if it was for me. It, it didn't end up being for me, but, um, you know, I learned a lot. And then that's one of the things I picked up from our NARC guys is like just how nice they are to everybody and i'm just you know i'm stepping back and i'm not surprised by it i was like okay this is how they do things and then i start talking to him like you know you just pulled out like a key and a half off that dude and i was like and you're treating him like he's your best like they're going to get him something to eat yeah and i like yeah because he's going to tell us where he got that and then you know we've got they had like a couple informants there and i didn't know they were informants at the time but i'm like man they're treating these guys good but <laughs> that's people they busted at one point and then turned them into informants and so the listen officers out there like being kind <laughs> there i don't really recall any time being an asshole has paid off yeah ever i mean even, i've been in a fight with um, to be fair i'm trained like heavily trained i've done jujitsu for a long time i box um judo i i don't have a trouble you know how it is in the yeah, street yeah definitely i don't have a lot of trouble now if i go against a trained dude well, I, yeah i'm not as good as a person that trains all the time but for what we do as police i do just fine and um to the point where it's kind of fun and humorous because i don't have to hurt anybody mm-hmm. and and stuff like that but um you see me on body camera if you ever see me and i'm like Hey man, like I'm talking to him, like chill out. Like I'm trying to talk to a kid, you know, and people are like, you're, you're like in a fight, but you're being so nice. I'm like, yeah, but think of how much that pays off at the end. Cause yeah. the next time I deal with that guy that has never, that he never fought me other than that. He's, he's cool. Oh, he'll treat me fair. He knows I'm gonna treat him fair. You know, I didn't put an ass whooping on him. It's all about relationships. It is. It it's is. all about relationships and, and not forgetting that. You know, everybody doesn't understand the law like we do. Mm-hmm. And the, the crime's already been committed. Mm-hmm. It's kind of one of those, hey, let's let's take care of business. Yeah. You know. And let's face it, some of us cops don't know all the laws. <laughs> yeah. I, I know you did something wrong, and I'm going to look it up afterwards. I'm going to get the specific offense, but right now I'm not exactly sure what the law is you broke. <laughs> yeah, you know, there are citizens that sometimes know a little bit better than we do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially, like, you know, the Second Amendment activists or the First yeah. Amendment activists yeah. and stuff like that. And they're like, well, the Confederate Articles of Confederation State. And I'm like. You're like, uh, wait, let me look that up. <laughs> I'm just like, listen, you don't get to argue with me. That's for the courts. So we're going to handle it my way. If you're right, awesome. You just won money. You're going to get to sue us. So, yeah. But I think I'm right. So let's do this. But yeah, don't don't ever get emotionally invested into that stuff when they, yeah, they know you know, Narc's Narc's really just kinda taught me 
how to build relationships, you know, because you talk to everybody yeah. from, from all, you know, walks and lives and, and things like that. And so with that, you know, you take that with you. And I took a lot of that with me from, you know, the interviews I conducted and just people you interact with, you know, yeah. just like, Hey man, you know, we're, yeah. we all make mistakes, but you learn the community that way too. And, and you learn how to interact with people and it keeps you up on the latest lingo and all that great yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. you know, and, <laughs> and you need informants in order to be successful at the job at all. Uh-huh. You know? So it's just, re- you know, relationships. Did you do any UC stuff yourself? Most of it was myself. Oh yeah. Shit. Okay. Uh, I love it. I'd love to hear that language come out. <laughs> <laughs> I know your vernacular changes. You probably even got an accent. <laughs> Most of it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. That was the best part about the job until I, you know, had a kid and then I was like, ah. Oh, Ooh, yeah. It ain't find, just about you now. Better find some more informants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's a big that's kind of I would say that's what steered me. Um I, I've always kind of the community side's always been a part of me and it's what I want to do, but like I said, I dabbled in narc, I dabbled in, you know, gang and, and, and looking on that side of the house. But then the kids pushed. I think that's what pushed me. I was like, this passed better. Yeah. I can I can be more impactful over here. That will always be there. Mm-hmm. Let me go, you know, make an impact on somebody's life in a different way. But um, so you get done with narc, you do some UC stuff, which that's awesome. Um, I had a undercover narc guy. Not anymore, obviously, but yeah. um, I had him on here. It's been one of my most popular episodes. <laughs> so, um, but uh, you do that. Obviously, how many years did you do that for? A total of eight, eight and a half. I was a oh. supervisor, too. I was a sergeant in the unit, too. Oh, so you went from officer all the way through. Yeah. Oh, shit. So you was a specialist. It wasn't as fun as a supervisor. But I know. You got to <laughs> let your boys play. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you uh, move up the ranks through that unit, and then um, as you're making these relationships through that, is that where this starts to come into play? Well, yeah, kind of. You know, during the interaction as a, as a as a UC, you know, you don't really interact with cops very often, you know, in uniform because obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I mentored a lot, and a lot of people didn't know that I was a mentor. I okay. started in college, and but. That was for me, it was a mental health aspect of it, of the job for me, because everybody you're really interacting with are bad guys. Right. So I love serving the community so I can. This was my way of doing it. So I, I was a mentor, big brother, big sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did it for many years. OK, I tried doing that in the military, but you just couldn't keep a you couldn't have a dependable schedule. And so I was like. I don't, I, I feel bad trying to quit, but I can't be dependable to these kids. And they were like, no, we know, we noticed you can't be dependable. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, we already had you on our list because you're military. And they're like, we knew this may be hard for you. Yeah. And so I was like, at least they were real about it. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So you did that for, that's a long time. Man. Yeah, I did it for, I, I was narcs and like I said, it was. You know, the community aspect yeah. of it was, was just my thing, you know, and mentoring. I really always felt I had to give back because I definitely wouldn't be here without somebody, you know, pouring into me. So, right. Okay. So through that, um, a lot of success stories as far as the mentor. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of the things I always told the boys was, man, let's just make it to high school graduation and we'll figure things out from there. You know, I believe in just those short term goals. Yeah. And, uh, I still, I'm actually still in contact with the three young men I had here. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. 
So I, when you do that, are you taking on more than one at a time? or No, it's just one. Just one? Just one. I had one for maybe two, three years, and then the next I had him, which was the longest. I had him for like five, six years. Okay. And um, then I had another kid for like a year and a half or so, but that that second one he and i were a lot alike and and even today he'll pick up the phone big brother i messed up oh no All right, <laughs> i mean that's good <laughs> you know you know what happened and yeah. it's, it's typically something with a girl girl i was gonna say <laughs> with ladies yeah something with a girl <laughs> <laughs> she can, she can. hey folks eric levine from two cops one donut want something better than ring arlo Ring or any of the other quick launch home security systems. I've been having trouble with my Ring products. They don't read license plates on moving vehicles. The link doesn't connect fast enough to my phone. And I'm tired of getting notifications only to see like a glimpse of something that set it off. I was reached by a veteran owned business called Agent Security. The owner, staff, all veterans or former cops, they're Kind of like the Chick-fil-A of customer service when it comes to security. They have a system that does everything companies like Ring do and more. They have pivoting cameras that track day or night. They can also read license plates and catch high-definition details that will lead police more effectively to catching the offender. Their mission is providing the best home security systems to their customers. All you have to do is start the conversation to protect our most valuable assets, our families. They listen to your needs and come up with perfect customized security solutions to protect what matters to you most. You can contact them by phone at 713-962-3558 or email info at agent security.com or visit their website agentsecurity.com that's a-g-e-i-n-t-s-e-c-u-r-i-t-y.com they serve the greater houston area north texas and more be sure to tell them that eric levine from two cops one dollar girl (laughs) (laughs) okay um from that i want i want the community to understand the importance of it and is there a way would you recommend that the community push for their police department to to try to get their department to do something like that as far as mentor mentoring mentoring or? yeah definitely definitely but but you have to have those officers that are genuine right you know because yeah. you know kids are smart and yeah the community smart if they're not if they're going to be a detriment to what you're trying to do don't use them you know, yeah. and it's tough because there's so much more going on in, you know, law enforcement. Everybody's being pulled multiple ways. But mm-hmm. it's so important to put the right people in place because you can damage the relationship that you already have, you know. And and, if, and like I said, they, they know when you're not genuine. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. I, I Most departments have some sort of mentoring um, in, in some form. Um, but specifically kind of what you got going on. Um, and let's address the reason for it. Like I'm of the opinion and I'll find out if you agree. I'm of the opinion that recidivism is a hard beast to tackle. Um, people repeat offenders and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and we're talking about adults. Okay. We're trying to fix a problem that has been building for years. They didn't mm-hmm. just become 25 years old and they're like, you know what? I'm just going to go felon style and just start doing all. Well, some do, they get into dope. Mm-hmm. It can happen, but it's not typical. A lot of times it's these frequent flyers as we call them, repeat offenders. And they're just constantly a problem in the system. Well, everybody in, in their mom are trying to figure out a way to stop that. How do we lower recidivism? Well, my theory and my best 
bet as a cop, what I think we need to do is stop focusing so much on the adults and focus a lot more on the juveniles. Yeah. You know, it's, that's the root and we can't just focus solely on kids. We have to focus on the parents too, because we got generations of parents, single parents raising kids that were raised by kids themselves. Yeah. So I think tackling the juvenile stuff through mentoring is a great system. I was telling um, Robert earlier that uh, I was a part of something. I guess it was experimental at the time. I don't know if it was um, widely done yet, but it's called score Mm -hmm. and it's through the NFL. And the cool part about that thing is you, you show up and you're not a cop. You're just down. You you civilian style and you go meet these kids um, that are in athletics um, in troubled areas. It doesn't mean the kids troubled, but they're at Mm -hmm. high risk. They're at risk kids. And you go in and you relate to them and you talk and you, you know, you just be genuine. Um, they're real big about like, don't lie to these kids, like t- other than pretending to not be a cop. <laughs> so, uh, and then the next day you show up again and you do some more activities, all these team building things. And like me, I'm a roaster. Like I will roast the shit out of Like that's, that's me being me. Like yeah. you want to start talking smack? I'm going to get you back. So these kids were roasting each other back and forth and they're like, you got to go. I was like, yeah, your mom just called. I got to, I got to go. <laughs> and so like, oh, you know, we're talking shit to each other. But later on, you know, there's this big reveal. We show up in full uniform after, I think after lunch. Yeah. yeah. You show up after lunch and you're in full uniform and they're like, what the fuck? And then they realize they got a lot in common with police yeah. and that together we can make the community safer and better and get rid of stigmas and stuff like that. So, um, you got a program next metropolitan. Yes, sir. All right. So that is the whole premise of this show folks is we wanted to start talking about mentoring, but how do we mentor specifically? And Robert's got a program that he's been a part of that I guess has been pretty highly successful because that's why you got recommended to come on. Yeah, well, we're still grassroots, but I, I hey, would like, baby, I would like to think that we're we're effective. Yeah. Okay, yeah. If Definitely. you if you help just one person, it's worth it. I want at least two. Okay, I, I don't want one. I want overachiever. Least, I want at least two. Yeah, <laughs> I told I tell my wife because I probably dropped about fifteen twenty grand on this podcast. I was like, if I help just one person, it's worth it. She goes, the hell it is. Like, <laughs> I'm like, we just got different mindsets, babe. You know, I, I, I want to help people. Yeah. I don't care what it costs, but uh, she's like, our bank account does and you got kids. So <laughs> I'm like, all right, I get it. But we're doing better. And now we're having you on and I appreciate it. Keep spreading the word. And that's I, I want the platform to be used for people like you and what you're doing. So can you explain what Next Metropolitan is? So um, Next is, is a uh, nonprofit where we empower young men ages 15 to 21 you know um, our mission is basically to help them make the transition from adolescence into young adulthood whatever that may look like you know some of the kids are what we society considers at risk Um, I call them underserved uh, because some of those kids are kids like me you know uh, I wasn't at risk of anything you know I was just underserved I was in the community where I just didn't have much you know as far as resources so we help them make that transition and whatever the success looks like for them, you know, we focus on 30 days at a time, short-term goals to build long-term success. Uh, our pillars are mental health, education, and procedural justice. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to put, I'm going to mark that down because I want to make sure that when we do this uh, podcast, 
and put it out there and make a sound bite of that. That's a good spot because then that's what it's going <laughs> to focus on. So I like to write the times down for that stuff. Um, all right. So when you, how are you getting these kids? I say kids if they're up to twenty one. I guess they're technically adults. Some of them. Yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it is 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 word of mouth in the communities. You know, um, one thing um, you did know is I used to work in the schools too before I became the homicide supervisor. And um, during that time, I I I, I have to tell you the story. All right, I like so, stories. So I started dressing young men for for prom. Uh, I'm a suit guy. I like suits. I feel like it's a drug. Kind of make you feel good. You get hell yeah the first feeling. And even before I started a nonprofit, I, I started dressing young men for prom. So I was at one of the um, high schools. And I was looking for kids. And someone brought me a young man who was 20 years old. From high school? Yeah. I, did, I, did, I didn't know you could be 20 years old and still in high school. I didn't either. Yeah. So he was 20 oh. years old. I hope he wasn't taking a freshman to prom. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I wouldn't have been a part of that. I was going to say, shit, you'd have dad just sitting there in the gym watching. That's what I'd be doing. So uh, when I met this young man, I was the same way as you. I'm like, I'm not dressing a 20-year-old man. <laughs> so uh, when I heard his story about how um, he didn't have a mom or dad and grandma was raising him and she pulled him out of school uh, in like the fourth grade because of truancy. And he didn't go back to school until he was like uh, 16 years old, 17, Ooh. where he walked up to a school and said, hey, I want to enroll. And at that time, what do you do with a kid? You know, you That's can't trying. You can't put him back in junior high. So yeah. you just, just got to put him in high school. And at that time, he was just trying to get his education. And he was basically a functioning and Ill- illiterate, um, but a good kid. Would walk to school every day in the rain. And so after I heard his story, I was like, I got, I've got to meet him. Yeah. So we helped him with a lot of uh, different things that he needed as far as just having a birth certificate. He didn't have a birth certificate, um, had never really knew who his dad was. And so we helped him with that. We helped him with Social Security cards. And I wanted to make it my purpose to make sure he at least got that diploma. Yeah. Whether he actually had learned anything in that process, I don't know. But I wanted to at least have that paper to give him options. So I picked him up on, on the weekends and took him to school for credit recovery. Uh, in the evenings, I made sure he was there. So I was kind of like his parent, myself and, and a couple of my partners. Yeah. And um, from there, I feel like we could do more, you know, because there were a lot of other kids like that um, that were out there. So um, that summer, I decided, you know what, uh, I created a program um, in one of the other schools. Again, not trying to create a program, mm-hmm. just doing something that needed to be done. Okay, um, was, so you saw a gap and you were like, "Yeah, we got to fill this." Yeah, and and when I started, I just said, "Man, I can do this." Yeah, you know, and and for me, it was disheartening for people to show up to take pictures, oh, and, yeah. and and leave, you know. And I wanted something sustainable in, in mm-hmm. the kids' lives, so I just kind of took it on, and and no, not knowing the hurdle that I had, to, you know, the boundaries that I had to overcome. Yeah, but I knew that I had been doing this for most of my life, and. Uh, I was that kid. And so I just decided to jump out there. I I called one of my partners and I said, hey, this is what I want to do. I've always wanted to do it, but I think God just spoke to me to do it now. So I stepped out on faith and and we've been piecing this thing together. But again, people know me in the community already. Yeah. So it's easier to to meet the kids and, and we won't accept just any kid. You know, they have to be in the action phase of their lives. They have to want to see themselves 
wanting to do something different, you know, because mm-hmm. they're too damn old for me to uh, to try to cuddle them, you know, and they right. don't want to be there. So mom and dad may want them to be involved. But first thing is, what does your kid want to do? Yeah. Does your kid have some type of a goal that they want to accomplish? And if they do, then we can help them. So that's kind of how we find them. We just just word of mouth. And now that we're in the community, you know, people like Gerald, you know, they, they hear about what we do and see what we do. And, and we kind of go out and just do what we can for them. Okay. Um, in the process, um, what is the feedback you're getting from the kids that you're helping? Like during, like, I'm sure there's phases of, you know, resistance and then, okay, they see the big picture and stuff like that. But like, what's the feedback you're getting from the kids that as you're helping them, the ones that have succeeded or the ones that have failed? Yeah. It's kind of like you said, um, initially my boys don't know that I'm a police officer. Oh yeah. So we just kind of hang out. I get to know them. And when they finally figure out, I figure there's a good time to let them know. I kind of slide that in. Hey, what do you think about police? So I'm like, ah, man, I don't, I don't mess with 12. (laughs) F12, bitch. Yeah. You know, I don't mess with 12. (laughs) Another one's like, ah, you know, I don't have any issues with them. And then kind of just spring it on, on them. And, okay. And uh, they're like, really? Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, And, and I've had all but one kid, um, we're cool with it with this one kid was like man i just can't get with you so i, I respect that you yeah know, that, that's a choice that you make but if you ever change your mind you know you know where i'm at yeah yeah definitely. yeah so. i like that i like that you guys put a little more um responsibility in their shoes um instead of trying to force something that just you know it's like trying to get somebody to quit smoking if they ain't ready if they're not ready they ain't ever gonna do it so um what is the uh what's what's funding y'all um, I know it's a nonprofit, but I mean, you guys got backers, you got sponsors. Is this coming from the city? Is it coming from the department? No, it has nothing to do with the city or the department. Um, this is when I initially started, it was all out of my part, pocket, just yeah. extra, extra jobs, you know, um, and, and hoping the lights stay on in my house first. Yeah. <laughs> and and even now we, we do have a, a one foundation that really believed in us um, and they gave us our first grant. Um, and I will say the first year I didn't ask for any money. Okay. We went out and, and it was all about service. So that's how I met Gerald. Gerald was the first person that uh, offered me an opportunity to do community service. So all of our boys have to commit to community service. Yeah. And uh, we went out for the whole year and we just, just service. To At the let, food bank? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 To let the community know that we're not here just asking for money. Yep. Um, and um, then that next year we got a uh, Walmart gave me a small grant. And uh, we've just been kind of growing from there. And then all of my board members, they have uh, dues. We all pay into the um, to the organization. And it's a, the funding aspect is tough. It's extremely yeah. tough. But the great thing about it is we don't have any overhead yet. We don't have a building or anything like that. Something that I'm that I'm praying working. About. On. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if you get an extra podcast space, let me know because this is cramped and it's gets hot in here. Um, and you're local, so I can make it to that. <laughs> but a lot of it is private. Is private um, uh, uh, donations and stuff like that. Uh, one of the other organizations I talked about is Faith Fight Finished by Dak Prescott. Um, oh yeah. You know, Dak and his organization heard about what we were doing in the community, and I was fortunate enough to uh, partner with them. So we've been able to leverage uh, some of the community events that we do host, and, and, and they definitely support us too as well. Nice. Well, he's not spending his money on winning championships, so <laughs> go Lions. Um, <laughs> somebody's got to be a Lions fan. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't know. I don't know yeah. if you want to brag on the Lions. Yeah, but hey. hey, we had Barry, and that's all that matters. That was a long time ago. Hey, well, shut up. That's all that matters. <laughs> 
Yeah. And the last time the Cowboys won the Super Bowl was a long time ago. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk smack, Dak. So uh, he's never going to come on the show now. So, um, but no, that's awesome. Um, so definitely it's a nonprofit. So anybody listening uh, that's interested in getting involved, like you've already got that tax right off going for you. So yeah. um, I've been trying to figure out, I made this an LLC right from the get go. Cause I was mm-hmm. worried about getting sued and it, I knew how to do that. It was simple. I have no clue how to start a nonprofit. And people have told me like, why don't you do a nonprofit? And I'm like, I don't know how. So I'll have to get with you yeah, definitely. about that afterwards. Um, Cause I would love to do, do that. Um, Okay, so I'm trying to think of the dynamics and getting started. So you don't have a physical building. So you've got volunteers that you got a list. Um, now, are you guys? Uh, is it all officers? Is it or is you just doing? No, definitely not all officers. Okay, I don't want this to look like a police force. Uh, okay, but I do have um, some of the mentors are either mental health professionals, uh, police officers, or uh, educators, and or just people just. You know, common guys. Some of them are are cons. You know, who who gone the wrong way. Who decided? You know, they've learned they've learned their lessons and can teach these young men something that I can't. Right. You know, so we we've got a variety of people. But one of the things I, I tell everybody, everybody in our organization leads with their heart. If they don't really genuinely care for the kids, they can't they they can't come around. Okay. There's no way. Yeah. I don't and want your money. I don't want anything because the money that you're giving me is not, it's not good seeds. Yeah. You know, uh, all of this has to be good seeds because you're planting fertile grounds. Mm-hmm. And I tell them that, you know, we're not the biggest nonprofit, but if they want to pour into us and plant a seed in us, you know, it's got to be coming from a good place. I got you. Okay. Um, now I, I love the fact that you talk about the short term goals. That's kind of how I teach my own kids. Um, unintentionally, I guess I never really thought of it like that, but I always thought the the big goal, the big picture thing, like it's so hard to stay focused on that if you're not having those small victories along the way. Correct. And those small victories along the way make all the difference. And I think that's the fuel to keep you going to the next, to the next stop. Um, do you have, I'm just curious, like, is it all in your head? Do you have like a path? Is this something you, pamphlet out to these guys that are helping you like this is what we're looking for yeah definitely so so we have a curriculum per se right okay so we meet every um once a month we meet every third saturday just the mentors no um no uh we just the mentees mentors all together but of course we have meetings with with all of the mentors um as we go in and make to make sure that they understand the mission and um we so Let's say, for instance, you join our organization. The first thing we'll do is an application, and then we do an intake. That's what we call it. Okay. And the intake is really just to give us a better understanding of how to approach this particular kid. So uh, I just received, I just got a new kid uh, over the weekend, and, um, like, we sat down with his mom, and the biggest thing is, okay, tell me about your son. Because some kids... Uh, don't like to be yelled at or, or depending on their background, you know, so right. all of the mentors have to be aware of this particular kid. These, these are the, the pros and cons. These are some of the things that um, make this kid go. These are some of the things that will make this kid shut down. So we want to push on the right buttons and things like that. So uh, the intake is one of those things that we utilize to give us that, you know, that advantage. Mm-hmm. And then we know how to approach the kid. Yeah. Um, 
It's almost like, have you ever read the five love languages? I know that's kind of a. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Okay. Some it, version it, of it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it really works for me and my wife. You know, take the religious side out of it. I know some people, oh, it's just a Christian book. Look, I'm, despite that, it's it goes into human psychology. And so mm-hmm. uh, uh, our love languages change and stuff like that. And I could tell you, as an angry youth, I was that kid. I was, I was angry. I think it was more hormonal. I just was pissed off a <laughs> lot for dumb reasons. But um, I think if my mom had known my reward system a little bit better, my love language, whatever you want to call it, it would have went a lot farther, but now we're talking, you know, the eighties, early nineties, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think we're as uh, empathetic and as in tune back then as we are today. Yeah. And I think that's an advantage for cops is like, like I tell cops all the time, like you ever read the five love languages? You know, we have a hard enough time staying married in police world, but if you understand how somebody feels appreciated, it can help you with a, with a citizen, yeah. you know, and now we're talking about mentoring young men, you know, shit. If it, I think that's a smart plan to get a hold of the parents and like, you know, like what one, what pisses them off to what makes them feel appreciated. Yeah. Like definitely. if you start to learn those things, you know, like, you know, for me, my big thing would have been, you know, just in, like, Hey dude, you, you killed it. You did good. Like I liked hearing that as a kid today. Like I don't, don't care i know i did good like i don't i just just give me a hug i like i'm a physical touch guy now give me a hug make me feel good you know um but dude you guys have really thought this out that, that's why i'm asking these questions i'm just curious like do you is it like here's your mentor and he's gonna wing it or no you got um, you got you got a real and, curriculum and, going on and really we don't we don't match young men with mentors and, and my thing with that is because if that mentor leaves, typically that progress that that kid has made with that particular mentor is gone. Oh, so it's yeah. it could it, be it, with you one day, it could be with another one the next. Yeah, so I, I believe in a group setting. Okay. Um, so Smart. there's always a particular mentor that gravitates towards a kid and vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, but so we will do um, home visits where we just kind of re- either uh, phone call, or reach out to them, and all of the mentors are required to do that. Okay. Um, but if one kid gravitate, if a mentor gravitates towards one kid, which happens all the time because yeah. of a common interest, right. so one kid may like boxing and the mentor is, you know, Oh, I enjoy boxing too. So, Hey, you want to go hit the bag or something like that? Yeah. So, but I believe if, if I assign a kid to a mentor and that mentor, we're having an, an event and that mentor stuck at work or something like that, it can really derail the progress that we've made with that kid. And, and I don't yeah. want that. And, and, and I've seen it in multiple uh, organizations that I've volunteered in. So for us, this works best. That's smart. I like the group setting idea. Um, that was one of the problems that I don't say I had with big brothers because but I was like, oh, this don't work. And like, well, you can, you can move on to the next. I'm like, yeah, but you know, if I'm meeting with a group of people and we all get a chance to talk and like you said, and when you guys meet, are you meeting one kid a, a, alone or is it like a bunch of kids come together and the mentors are all together? No, everybody's together. That's awesome. Yeah. Everybody's yeah I together. like that. That's cool. Cause then the, the pressure's gone. Yeah. I think that makes it, you know, you know, I could, if I'm the only kid, I'm like all these grown ass men trying to, <laughs> trying to mentor <laughs> me, whatever it is. Um, Okay, so what what are some of the things that you've you've seen? Okay, and you'll you'll kind of understand where I'm going with this. Um, so just finding a suit for prom, mm-hmm. obviously that's one thing that you know if you don't have a dad in your life, or um, even if you do, but he didn't have that, he doesn't know. 
Um, so you got that, uh, maybe getting into athletics or something like that. Like what are the common things that you guys are regularly having to show these kids to help them out and get them what we would consider, you know, normal habits to have for a young man growing up? Yeah, it's really everything that you just said. So uh, I'll give you an example. We had one kid the other day. He He's playing football. This is his – he just moved here from Iowa, and this is his first year playing for you. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> this is his first year playing football. So I had to t- explain to him, man, football is king here in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> so I took him to the store, you know, and his family's doing what they could for him. Uh-huh. But uh, I explained it to him, and he was like, man, I'm just – can't be that hard right it's like oh a little bit different here but (laughs) if he does d-line he'll be fine yeah he's like i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna be a receiver i said okay all right all right and he's at a school in dallas and so he didn't have cleats i said man you can't play football without cleats ah you know so we're just taking him you know um to the store to get some some cleats and gloves and things like that and you know it's important and then we have kids that struggle with mental health issues you know and that's why we have the therapist. So uh, that may not be a normal occurrence for some kid, but it's becoming more and more common yeah. uh, for a lot of kids uh, as far as they're speaking on it, you know. And um, we have mentors that can uh, address that. We have mental health professionals who are, you know, these social workers or therapists who can address that aspect of it. And just from, and that's big for a male to be able to come forward. Yeah. To say that, hey, I, I'm not feeling well. And this, okay for us to tell them it's okay not to be okay right yeah Uh, and you're doing the right thing and then we have uh some kids that just hey man i don't i don't know how to take it actually young lady on a date oh okay and you you know you and i probably didn't know how to know it either but (laughs) no you you just kind of wing it yeah shoot i remember looking through the yellow pages for girls (laughs) numbers from school yeah i'm like i think that's the jaeger from our like that's got to be her dad you remember doing that shit i'm gonna call it hey you want to go skating saturday Hey, the ones I call always these are the wrong numbers. Like, uh, well, I've got three names listed. Yeah, I got three more Jaegers to go. It's one of these. Yeah, definitely. So just common things that you and I, you know, went through. Yeah. Uh, or maybe going through currently, you know, these these young men go through the same things. And, yeah. And, and so whatever it looks like, you know, and then we even had young men who's, who graduated from high school who didn't invite their, you know, one of their parents. You know, I had a young man who did invite his dad and his mom said, Robert, he wants you there. He's got one ticket left and he wants it for you. And I'm oh. like, me? Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, you've done so much to, for him. You know, although he knows his dad and his, his dad has been in and out of his life, you've been consistent. So this ticket is for you, you know, uh, for graduation. It's How do you like, not cry? It's like, wow. Bro, I'm a crier. I would have been like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I'll call you back. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like you know. And so just to see them, and, and I, I was actually telling them Saturday. Uh, we all met Saturday, and I said, "Man, you guys are growing so fast!" And and over these two and a half years, and just looking back at pictures to see like how much you know how fast kids grow up. Yeah, you know, and just looking at it, and and it's just amazing, you know, what we've been able to accomplish in a short period of time. How are you noticing their social skills? Because I. We had to. We had to talk when we was kids. So I'm wondering, are you seeing that as a, um, you know, a mental, I don't want to say mental disorder, but uh, uh, where they're lacking development? Is that a common theme? Uh, Sometimes. But at that point, you find a commonality. So a lot of the things we do 
are based off of things that the kids like. So that intake is important. So, for instance, uh, we have a couple young men who are in the cars. So we host a car show. Okay. Yeah, well, we host a car show, and um, that way that gets that kid to kind of start talking and opening up. Uh, they love basketball, so we host an outdoor basketball tournament but uh, for the community. Um, it's a resource fair, and it, we invite police officers because uh, there are a lot of um, some of the agencies have basketball teams, and the officers come out. So yeah. that that's an opportunity to open up with them, and the officers get an opportunity to talk to them. Um, what else do we do? We um, we host an event, and I got to tell you about this. It's amazing. All right, I will say. So if it, <laughs> so if I hear it, you know, I, I know somebody stole it, right? Okay. So we it's called uh, backpack hoodies and sneakers. Okay. So I'll pose that like, so what do you think about when you think of backpacks? Hiking, camping. Okay. Personally, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I got a ton of backpacks. So so, back. so what do you think about from perspective of an officer? A backpack as a cop? Yeah. Um, dope transportation. Money. Guns. Yeah. Yeah. As a cop? Yeah. Instantly. So my instinct is camping though. <laughs> so same thing. Um, so yeah, basically, uh, I think of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, when I think of a backpack, I think of um, as Robert the mentor. I think of style, uh, trendy, fashion. You know, because I know the kids love them. Yeah. You know, but as an officer, I think of concealment. Yeah. I, I think of weapons and, and, and guns. I mean, and drugs. Because again, I was that guy working yeah. undercover. Yeah. You know, but as a parent, I think of education. You know, with the backpack, you know, that's what, okay. it's, that's what it's designed for. So what about hoodie? Hoodie, uh, yeah, right away. Suspect. Every suspect description, hoodie. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. me growing up in Michigan, I'm like, that's the national anthem. All right. See? <laughs> so, so same thing. Yeah. You know, same thing. You yeah. think backpack, you know what I mean? You think hoodie. Yeah. Holy sauce, you think somebody getting ready to hit a lick. Right? Yeah. Especially and, if that shit's up and it's Texas. <laughs> You're like, why'd your hood up, bro? It's it's summertime. Yeah. yeah. And, and but as the mentor in me, I know that that is just a, a comfort. Uh, it's 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 uh it, it's fashion for the kids. It, it's it's the time that we're living in, and mm-hmm. and I'm the kind of guy I like hoodies too, you know. But I also as the mentor, I I know that the hoodie comes with um uh, uh the stigma, the bullying. Some of the kids, it's the social emotional aspect of it because some of the kids may not have a haircut, so they wear hoodies. They don't uh-huh. want to get picked on. They, they can't want, wear hats in school. They don't want to get bullied. You know, they'll allow uh-huh. them to wear hoodies. They won't allow right. them to wear hats, yeah. right? And so we had we have a kid. He's he's got he has eczema really bad, and so he wears his hoodie. He doesn't want to show his skin. Mm-hmm. And then when when we think of the tennis shoe, uh, more specifically the Jordan ten, Jordan fashion brand. baby. Flint 13s. That's my favorite <laughs> shoe. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wow, look at you. Yes. You know, so, you know, when we think of that, you know, these, we think of transitions, you know, um, as a mentor. But as that officer, I think when I combine that hoodie, uh, the backpack, the hoodie, I'm thinking of a kid who could probably be trying to hit a lick to keep up with this fashion, mm-hmm. to keep up with these trends who, who parents may not actually have that the money for it. So, uh, when I started to piece all this together and, and exactly what you said, we hear a lot, you know, we hear a lot of male with a hoodie on and that kind of thing yeah. with a backpack. We hear a lot of that as, as police officers. So we created uh backpack hoodies and sneakers as it, um, 
uh, it was a town hall discussion where we talked about the stigmas behind the backpack hoodie and sneakers and how it is an integral part of the lives of our young men in the community. So we we host a um, uh, a panel where we have mental health professionals, police officers, uh, mentors and things like that who come out and have these open and honest discussions with these with these young kids about the pros and cons. Yeah. And this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Impact Tactical. Impact is a tactical outfitter for the men and women of our military, police, fire departments, and other public safety around the country. Impact's core beliefs is that fearless men and women protect our freedom and safety should have access to the best tactical performance apparel, equipment, and tools on the market. And they shouldn't have to go broke to get it. I've used Impact for about 11 years, and I can attest that they do live up to their core values. So you get a personal recommendation from me. You can find them at impacttactical.com. That's M-P-A-K tactical.com. And be sure to tell them that two cops, one donut sent you. And at the end of uh, that event, we we gave we give all of them a um, custom hoodie, uh, a new backpack, and a pair a new pair of tennis shoes. Nice. Yeah. So last year, that's where. What um, kind of shoes you giving though? You giving whack ass shoes? Jordan one. Oh, there you go. Come All on, right. man. I'm Come just checking. On. Come you on, never man. know. Look, like I, I, I think I'm a cool <laughs> dude. You know. <laughs> you know, I like I like Jordans and tennis yeah. and all that. You know, yeah. so. Uh, and that's what uh, one of the events we partnered with with uh, Dak Prescott on, and, and all of the kids were gifted a. Uh, uh, a custom hoodie. Uh, we customized the hoodie and, and put a logo on the back of it. And then uh, they were getting a Jordan backpack and they were getting a pair of Jordan tennis shoes. So that's one of our initiatives that we do all the time. Because, again, finding that commonality. Dude, you got to let me cover one of those. And this is why. Because the way you just broke it down, like, I didn't think about it. I, I was just thinking about yeah. me. I was thinking, like, all right, this is what I think. Like, backpack immediately. I'm like, camping, hiking. That's what I do with my backpacks. Um but when you like put your cop hat on, I'm like, yeah. oh, instantly, this, 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 this. You're like, yeah. So just having that perspective, just think of how many kids we could help out by, because my audience is mainly first responders and cops mm-hmm. and military that are probably going to be cops when they get out of the military. So um, if we could cover an event like that, and it may be able to eye open some of those guys to be like, oh, fuck, I didn't. I didn't realize, you know, that's that's my cop hat versus my personal hat. And then when they go to talk to some of these kids, maybe they can start to break down. Okay, like they, you, you can, you know, you start yeah. to look. Like, I'm a people person. I can read people. Yeah. I, I, that, at least I think I can. Um, that's one of my super skills, I guess. And and so, you know, I see a kid and I'm like, his shoes are clean. Yeah. Like, he ain't out here slinging. Like people slinging, don't have, they ain't that clean. And he ain't in, like... Even if he is, and I've got video like where we'll sit and watch hot spots where, you know, they are dealing. Like even that guy that is out there clean, like he ain't the one. He's 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 monitoring. He's watching his people, yeah. but he ain't the one. So when you just stop a kid rolling down the street, and he's got a hoodie on in Texas, but he's got clean sneaks, and you know he's got that new bag, like that makes sense. And if you mm-hmm. have. There's a lot of guys that don't have that education. I grew up where I grew up. You grew up where you grew up. We kind of understand that a little bit better. Or you understand that because you've worked the streets, you know, Mm -hmm. in that environment. So you get that. But there's a lot of cops that come fresh out of high school that came from, you know, Nebraska. (laughs) No offense, (laughs) Nebraska. And, you know, they, they, they go hit the streets somewhere, you know, down here in New Orleans or wherever it is. And that is not a culture they've ever been a part of. Yeah. And if you talk to cops and they're like, oh, he's wearing, you know, 
the hood uniform, which, you know, he's out there dealing, whatever it is, maybe covering something like that would mm-hmm. be, and let people steal it, dude. That's yeah. what I say. I, that's what I've been about with this podcast. And they're like, I've had friends like, aren't you worried another cop's gonna, like, that's got a big platform is going to take what you're doing and, and run with them? Like, I don't give a shit. Let him. Yeah. Let him run with it. I'm here to help people. Mm-hmm. So if we can help people based on that, awesome. Because I'll know where they got it from. But <laughs> it don't matter. Because I'm going to keep doing this and you're going to keep doing what you do. Um, but, yeah, I want to cover that. That's good. Yeah, That's good, good stuff. Yeah. Um, We're actually um, in the process of cre- uh, hosting our second one. Um, okay. In January in New Orleans at my at my old high school. Oh, you're going back to New I'm not going over there. <laughs> no, no, no. Wait, wait. <laughs> But the great thing about it is for me to go home to bring something back to my community, man. Hell that, yeah. That's one of the things I've always wanted to do is make sure that next is in Louisiana. And so one of my friends hit me up and was like, BHS, we got to bring BHS here. And okay. Said, How do we do it? And right now that's what we're, we're and actually in the process of, of piecing it all together. So um, when are you looking? January 14th. Of next year. Of next year. Okay. And, and and so everybody's like, how are you going to get it done financially? I said, man, we always make a way. So we yeah. um, we typically host about 60 kids. Oh, shit. Yeah. Dang. Eric, okay. And Eric, it is, it, it'll get done. Okay. Um, I, it'll get done. Will you let me know yeah. um, if you start making uh, flyers or anything like that? I'll post them on my stuff. Yeah. Um, the big one that I'm doing right now is the uh, Brotherhood for the Fallen. I, oh, yeah. I don't know if y'all have that where you're at. Um, yeah, so we have that gala coming up in October, and uh, they asked me to bring the podcast out. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, the target audience, you know, um, I went to, uh, anytime my officer falls in Michigan, they I, I try to go because mm-hmm. I got a personal connection. Well, we had a Detroit officer that was killed and uh, went up there in Detroit. They didn't, everybody I talked to, nobody knew what Brotherhood for the Fallen was, and I'm just like, oh my God, guys, like. I'm I'm fully like invested in Brotherhood for the Fallen. I love it. Um, I love the message, you know, trying to help. You know, th- I've explained this. I yeah, I'm glad you're here. All right. Balances <laughs> off you. Okay, I don't care for the thin blue line um, expression of you know it's us versus them. It's you mm-hmm. know we're the line between evil. Duh, you're a cop. Like that self-explanatory to yeah. me. That's not what the thin blue line is to me. To me, what the thin blue line is, if I fall in the line of duty, I got two daughters out there. Yeah. Um, I already know. Just we've met one time here. Now, if I die tomorrow, you will make sure that those kids never want for anything. Versus if I worked in a cubicle somewhere and I die, they're going to have a luncheon for me. They're going to check. Maybe my good friend from work will check in on my wife, you know, if they don't try to sleep with her, whatever it is. (laughs) Just joking, guys. Um, and that's going to be about it. But in the police world, in the firefighter world, first responders, military, that's it. It, it doesn't. It's not just cops. It's mm-hmm. it's all those first responders. If we fall in the line of duty, our family is not going to want for anything the rest of their lives, assuming that they're willing to take the help. Because we've seen the ones that are like fuck y'all. <laughs> I don't want nothing to do with you guys. So that's a thin blue line to me. So when we talk about that stuff in like I said, with Brotherhood for the Fallen, like mm-hmm. man, I I just think that that is that's huge, and that's the message I want to send when I want people to think of the thin blue line, and that's why the thin blue or um the Brotherhood for the Fallen has such a good community respect and um, support. Yeah. So, with what you're doing, um, you know, I can 
definitely, if you guys allow me to, put it on my charities page. I have um, charities and sponsors page. That, mm-hmm. You know, everybody knows that listens to my show. Um, I don't. I don't do just any sponsor. I won't let you know OnlyFans sponsor this show. Like yeah. that's not what I'm about. But if it's something I believe in, I will definitely let them be a sponsor to the show. So I put all that on a page. I got your link. I have your mission statement. And then people will know right where to go. Yeah. If they're looking for something good, I think that would be sweet. And I'm definitely into what, what y'all got going on. So you're going to go to New Orleans. Um, and, well, specifically New Orleans, or are you going to go to your? Kenner. Kenner. Kenner, okay. Louisiana. Okay. Bonneville High School. Okay. <laughs> what was your graduating class size? Uh, 500. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah. That's decent. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, we started off with maybe a thousand, but <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like my class. Um, yeah, that's not bad. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about it later. Maybe I can make it down there with you, but probably not. I ain't trying to. Go hey, through. but oh, I definitely plan to do it again here. Um, um, hopefully in February or okay or, or March here. My birthday's in February. Let's yeah. go. You know, so <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget. You know, Texas because this is home too. This okay. is home now. So, what was the kids' response to it? I'm curious, man. You you know what? It was, it was probably we do a lot of events in the community, and it was definitely the best event. You know, um, all of the kids they weren't sure that they did they weren't sure what they were going to get. Okay, because when we registered them, they had to, had to have shoe sizes and things like that, but um, they didn't know they had anything. You know, they were just in a room. We were doing our thing. Um, we did an introduction. We separated the parents, and um, at the end of it, we opened the partition. And they saw all the Jordans and all. They were no, like, no, <laughs> yeah. like, are you serious? Oh man, yeah. And we just really wanted to let them know that we appreciated them after educating them and listening to them yeah. about you know the importance of of these you know items in our in our community and really yeah. it was great like hugs and high fives hell and, yeah i'll hug you for some jordans and just to see them you know <laughs> and just to see them represented you know some the hoodie in a positive way the backpack you know uh, in a positive way it, it was it was great it now was great. are you explaining to them how police may see it? like just how we had that discussion is that coming across to them yeah so um one of the uh, moderators was uh, he's an educator here in Texas and man, he does an amazing job. So when, when I initially uh, met him, we did some mentor stuff together. And so when I put this event together, I said, I, I need you to moderate this. And man, he took it and had a vision that I didn't even have. And okay. So even for new Orleans, I was like, dude, you got to come down and do this thing again. Yeah. Because he, we took them through the history of the backpack hoodie and sneaker and how it became hip hop and yeah. where it all came from and things like that. And we played games like name that Jordan. <laughs> what, what year did this, did this yeah. Jordan come out? Yeah, and yeah. Things like that. So it was, it was a great event. And of course you have to feed them and things like that. And, yeah. And we also have something for the parents, you know, so we teach a firearm safe storage course. So okay. simultaneously, we we separated the parents and uh, put them through a firearm safe storage course where we um, really educated them about how to safely store your gun. You know, we're not going to teach you how to shoot or anything like that because you don't want me to teach you that. Uh, <laughs> That's why you're a sergeant. <laughs> but um, we educated them on how to safely store their guns because, you know, the guns that these kids are getting their hands on, we own them as adults. They're not old enough to actually purchase those guns. Right. So um, we took them through that course and we had a young man who talked about uh, the tragedy of playing with the gun and what it did for him. And and if we have time, I'll tell you that story because it's amazing. 
you know, to, yeah. to, to, to shoot yourself with the gun and still still be here to tell the oh, story. Oh, he shot himself. Yeah. Oh, my God. When I was a kid, um, my cousin, who's like my brother, like we still, to he's best man at my wedding. Um, I wasn't there that day. I was supposed to come over. I didn't. Um, mm-hmm. I was probably my mom, you know, being a B. I'm just kidding. Uh, my One of our friends got the shotgun out of the gun cabinet. And mm-hmm. in Michigan, the gun cabinet's a normal thing. Like, it's it's like all fancy wood with nice-looking glass. Nice like glass. Like, yeah, it's a normal thing where I'm from. Um, and he was racking the shells out. Like, that was all he was doing was just racking the shells. And he, being a dumbass, you know, 15 years old, maybe 16, points it at my cousin. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dude, like, you know, like, even we all know better than that, but there's always that one kid that has to be yeah. a dumbass, and uh, even though he knows better, and my cousin like moved it, and just as he moved it, it went off. Oh wow! Because he thought the kid thought he had racked it all of them out, and he didn't. He had racked one more in, and they, to this day, like I remember that I wanted to kill that guy. Like that, I you bet. know, and we're, like I, I remember hearing about it. I didn't talk to that kid for a while. Like, you know, I was just so pissed off and I know he felt bad. You know, I just, I know that in his heart that wasn't, he, he fucked up, but the education on the firearms, man, it is huge. And yeah. even kids that know better still do dumb shit. Even so. adults that know better, we, we, we sometimes yeah. become complacent. Yep. You know. Yep. My wife gets on me because I like, you know, my kids have grown up with it. Like, that's all they know. They know what dad's tools are. They know, mm-hmm. and they're girls. They don't, for the most part, they don't give a shit anyway. But uh, they're not <laughs> like boys. But I'll get, you know, I'll get home, set my keys, my gun, my all my stuff. And my wife's like, put it in your room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. My bad. But so you had, do you want to tell that story right now? Yeah. So. Because I, I kind of want to hear it. You got me excited about and, it. And, and, it's, and it's a personal story for me because, you know, a buddy of mine called me one morning I'll, I'll never forget it um it was a saturday morning about nine o'clock and he said hey i can't find my son and i'm thinking okay maybe it's about some girls he's like, yeah <laughs> but he's like well no you know he moved out okay how old is he uh at this time he's 19 okay and um he said uh that's unusual for him i had heard from him in two days and i said oh yeah okay so where does he live he's up in uh, up in uh denton area and i said all right cool uh, call uh, the hospitals up there. I said, I'll call the jails and see if, you know, he's in custody or something. Yeah. So after that, he's like, nope. I said, all right, well, you need to go up there to make a missing person report. And um, I kind of walked him through that those steps, and his girlfriend was just adamant that something wasn't right because she had not heard from her boyfriend in two days, too. Oh. And so my buddy was just like, man, this girl is getting on my nerves. Something really must not be right. So. They get with the PD up there, and eventually uh, they go to his apartment. My buddy initially thought that his son was living with the girlfriend, but didn't know that he moved out. Okay. So um, this was during the pandemic. So at this time, um, the girlfriend's like, hey, we got to go to his apartment. So he's he's in some campus apartments, not in school, just living in the campus apartments. And long story short, they eventually decide, we need to go to the apartment complex. So they go to the apartment complex and the front desk uh, attendants like, nah, can't let you back. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how they eventually get around her. Yeah. And then they go to the suite. You know how they have a door and three rooms in there. Right. Suite door is locked. 
Shit. So he calls me, and at this time it's probably like four o'clock in the evening. I said, "Well, shit, call the room, call the suite mates." And there was only one other guy that lived in the suite with them. The guy went home earlier that week, and he said, "Hey, yeah, he was here when when I left." So if there's a, that door is locked, there's obviously somebody in the suite. Right. Yeah. It's not gonna lock itself. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So of course. He's asking me, he's like, man, the officers are huddled up. I said, okay, well, they're coming up with a plan. And I explained the exigency of it and, and that kind of things and how they could or could or couldn't articulate it. I, I said, I don't know. I said, do you want me to come up there? He said, no, this is just hold on a minute. So I'll go up there and kick it. Yeah, so, <laughs> so eventually the officers force, force entry. They go into his room and find him there. He's got a single gunshot wound to his head. So he has a, a frontal low um, entry um, impact point. And um, he's oh, laying shit. there, but he's alive. He had been there for two days. Did it follow around or did it go in? Uh, in came out the top of his okay. head. It was a through and through, and he had been there for two days. Oh, shit. So when he told me, he was like, man, he's in there. He's been shot. And I said, give the phone to the officer. So he gives the phone over to the officer, and I asked him. I introduced myself. I said, hey, man, what's, can you tell me what's going on? He said, man, he's got a single gunshot wound, looks self-inflicted. I merely think, oh, maybe he's committed suicide. Yeah. And um, he said, but he's got a pulse. I said, just put him in the box. Get his ass going. And yeah. get him get him out. I said, don't tell my buddy, you know, where he's been shot. So when they take him down to the box, my buddy steps into the room and sees all the blood. Ugh. And he's like, man. I said, well, just get to the hospital. Prepare yourself for the worst. Yeah. I said, but I'll, I'll you know, I'll be on my way up there. And so he's like, uh, and I said, you know what? They, they probably won't even let you in because of the pandemic. And oh, I, shit. It was during was that like, time. Yeah. And I said, man, you know, I was getting ready to work an off-duty job. I said, I'm in uniform. Do you need me to come up there? He said, well, just give me a little bit. I'll let you know. So a couple hours later, he calls me back and, and said, man, he's shot in the head. I said, yeah, I didn't want you to know that. Um, but obviously, you know now. I said, but, you know, he's alive. That's the great thing about it. I said, so just, you know, have faith that he'll make it through it. And so, long story short, about four months later, he walks out of the hospital. Holy shit. Yeah. He walks out of the hospital. And and me and this kid were, you know, we were okay when he was younger. But when he started to see and get older and, and, and all the... Uh, the George Floyd and, and all of the, you know, the social unrest which came to um, um, police use of force. He kind of pulled away from me. Okay. You know, and I'm pretty good with kids, especially yeah. young men. And we weren't on the same page. And so uh, he walked in my house four months later and I looked at him like, man, you know, and eventually, you know, my buddy was like, he's going to tell his story about what happened and we were doing things uh, in barbershops and beauty salons, you know, already having, you know, uh, informal town halls, just kind of talking to, yeah. to the community with the nonprofit. Yeah, shop talks, man. They're the yeah. best. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, we were doing those things and he said, I want him to tell the story when he's ready. So one day um, he decides I'm ready to tell you guys what happened. So we were having um, our firearm safe storage course. And I said, I want you to come out and tell it. So he came out and he told us about really just what he was doing. And he said, man, I had money. Um, I was, it was during a pandemic or something and he had a bunch of cash. Yeah. And so he went and bought a gun. He wanted to feel safe. So he moved out of his girlfriend's house into uh, the on-campus apartments, whether that's true or not, who knows? Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I said, well, what were you doing? He says, well, you know, I'm an inspiring rap- rapper. Oh, no. Go figure. <laughs> and um, he said, I was trying to do something on TikTok, TikTok with the gun. Yeah. Trying to, you know, create a video yeah, with show TikTok. Out, yeah. Bit, yeah. Didn't know anything about the gun. He's flicking the gun around, excuse me, around yeah. his finger and gun goes off. <sighs> did it actually enter his brain or did it just follow the skull? It's right in between his, it went, excuse me, right in between his eyes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And came out on an angle on top of his head. So it was a frontal lobe injury, came up top of his head. And what really probably saved his life is it was a through and through. And he laid there for two days in his own blood. Did he remember any of that two days? Um, No. He said he just remembers waking up in the hospital. And I hadn't actually really kind of really got into it and kind of pressed him. I just kind of just allowed him to tell, you know, what he's comfortable telling. And I was just like, wow, dude. I said, man, if you've got definitely have a mission, man. And and the Lord saved you, you know, spared your life for a reason. And, And, you know, he and I... Uh, he came out to the um, the backpack hoodie and sneaker event and told the parents about, you know, his experiences and things like that. And, yeah. you know, and I was just, you know, the great thing about that came out of that is that he was more open to talking to me about different experiences in life and stuff like that. We don't have a great relationship or anything like that, but at least it was a little it mended. The relationship kind of yeah. a little bit, but I think at this point he should be thankful for everything. You know? Oh my so, God. Yeah. Just listening to that. And, and, and that's part of that event. We allowed the parents to hear that story and it was just, just crazy. That is insane. Yeah. Oh my God. And so he, does he know how much you helped his dad through that process? Never I, had that conversation with him. No. Yeah. Man, that is nuts. I mean, that is yeah. <laughs> of all the, and you know, like I said, it's dumb. It's avoidable, dumb things, you know, a little bit of education with a firearm, you know, keep your booger finger off the bang switch. You know, you and me get one yeah. here, you know, it's, it's done. Yeah, no I know. Yeah. Arteries or whatever. yeah. We'll hit an elbow and it's, we're, we're out. Yeah. Going to bleed out. Yeah. Oh, fuck. That is insane. Yeah. Well, I'm glad he does that. So you guys get your, you get is it like how long is the process before a big event is what i'm trying to get to so you you get you get these kids let's say you started all your mentorships in january mm-hmm. okay um is it in december there's some sort of like all right one year graduation thing how does it work is it just individual basis yeah i'll keep a young man all the way up until 21 22 years old i have one kid now he's uh 21 he was a, one of the first kids i had I met him. He was homeless, but um, he just had a baby. There's no way we're going to leave him right now. I got you. Yeah. So um, the biggest thing is for kids like him, for young men like him, it's now you should be, you know, pouring back into some of the other kids. Oh, you know? okay. So, That's so, cool. So we yeah, yeah. we utilize them to pour in. Most of the kids are in are in high school. I mean, in college. Um, okay. Some of them are. I have a couple that just started started trade school. They want to. One of them wants to be a mechanic. Okay. So he decided to forego, you know, college. And then not all of them make it. Let's yeah. be realistic. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, there are some that just didn't make it. And it's like, hey, man, you don't want anything for your life, so I can't help you. I need to get you connected with, because you said some of you guys are car guys, too. Um, one of uh, my coworkers, his brother, uh, brother-in-law, um, was a Green Beret. Um, he was killed in action. Uh, Sergeant Alex Viola. Um, Viola. 
Viola, yeah. Um, they have a car show in his honor where yeah. the Green Berets <laughs> from his team are the car judges. Oh, okay. But it's huge now. Like, it is. It's an enormous event. Um, it's very big. All, you know, classic cars, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But um, it's it's a nonprofit. It's, uh, it's police, military, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got that good side of the house and then... It's cars, baby. So yeah. Um, yeah, if, they're, if they're looking for something to help out with and, yeah. and, and give service, I mean, that's a good one to, to go to. Um, at a bare minimum, if you have some car kids, I could at least give you the information and you could push them that, that way for something to help out with because that's a, a year-long planning. That mm-hmm. is, that's a big – that's huge. Um, but uh, And I just had him on, my, uh, my buddy. Um, he's been on twice now, but um, – just to tell you the backstory, basically what he had done was he found a homeless veteran. Um, he didn't know he was a veteran at the time, but he was a frequent flyer, was constantly being called on. But he was like, every time I show up, this guy's so respectful. You know, he's being real nice. And he saw mm-hmm. him finding out a little piece of his story every time. He never played the military card. Long story short, turns out not only has this guy been shot three times for his country, he's service-connected. He's got disability payments that could be coming to him, but he needs a, a mailing address and all that stuff. He doesn't have that. Wow. Um, he's got uh, a, a working – well, he has a truck that he had torn apart and is in a storage unit. Um, and uh, so he ends up finding this uh, nonprofit that in Texas that um, gets used RVs mm-hmm. for veterans mm-hmm. and – fixes them back up and gives them a place to stay. So that's what my buddy Joey did was got this kid, kid, he's my age, um, got, he slipped through the cracks of the VA, got a hold of the VA, verified a story, year long process, but he got him in an RV into an RV park. He's got awesome. a place to live. Um, and it, it's just, the story keeps getting better and better. So, uh, Stop, man. I can, I love this is what I love about doing this podcast, dude. I just I get networked with all these amazing people, stuff like you're doing, um, that cops will never brag about because it's not their style. Firefighters yeah. will never brag about, military guys will never brag about. Um, so let me brag for you. So I want to get next out there. I want people, sponsors that are listening. If you're into donating to a nonprofit, let's get you out here. Let's get you a part of this because this is how you start preventing recidivism. This is how we start cutting the 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 root off when it's starting to go bad yeah and getting these kids down the right path so it sounds like you're going in a successful direction um hopefully you know five years i can retire and maybe i can (laughs) yeah (laughs) right yeah yeah uh but man what's the future hold for it Where, where do you see i i see where you're going with it now but like if if money was no object or any of that like what's your biggest picture really it would be um a a a trade school for the uh, just a vocational school for the young men you know a lot of kids don't want to go to college these days you know yeah. and you can't blame them because of the debt right you know and ultimately a building a building um that where we can actually have some temporary housing as well as um a vocational school for the young men okay um, and i'm simple on that and i'm not one of those guys that and, and no knock to anyone else that that actually um pays themselves and, and that's an actual job for for me it's just helping a kid man yeah because you know, you know going to a scene and seeing you know having to arrest a kid for something silly that they did or seeing you know a parent that's dealing with a kid that just got killed you know that's 
you know, that takes its toll on you. And this is yeah. my way of, you know, trying to prevent that from happening. Yeah. And it, the thing that I hate when I hear is, you know, oh, that kid should have known better. They like, you have no fucking idea. Yeah. These kids lives. They've got a parent that either one has to work. Has to work. And it's in the by themselves. So they're being raised by their friends, mm-hmm. the streets. And it is not a scenario you can ever fathom unless you've witnessed it. Mm-hmm. You can't put yourself in those shoes. And to sit back from where we're sitting back from, even where I'm at now, like yeah. I'm sitting, I'm in the American dream. I'm not, there's no knocking what I'm doing. I got my 2.5 kids, you know, I got my <laughs> dogs, I've got a house, I got my wife, my mother-in-law <laughs> lives here. Like I live what's considered the American dream. Now yeah. where I came from, that doesn't happen. That's not a common thing from yeah. Flint, but, um, you know, I used the military. They used me. We made it work, you know. <laughs> you know, that's that's the way it was. I didn't want debt. So um, I don't, I like the military option for me. It worked for me, but it's not for everybody. Correct. And uh, some of these kids that we're talking about, like, they've already ruined that chance. Like, they can't do it even if they wanted to. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's over, and that doesn't mean we should give up and stop trying. So I'm I'm with you, man. I like this. I'm I'm. I'm on board. What so what is the uh what's the what's the year looking like for the rest of the year? Um actually we always have an end of the year just event for the boys. Uh we just took them out to a steakhouse. Hell yeah. Uh, to give them a a small taste of what fine dining kinda is, you know, and so okay. ultimately we will uh, we'll be going over some etiquette and, and literally just taking them somewhere where they can suits and I know where like you that. stole that from. Where's that? You Michelle Pfeiffer? Nah. Yeah, you did. Nah. Lying ass. No. Yeah, no. you did. That's the same hey. move from that. What was that movie where she uh, was the teacher? What was it? Because uh, uh, Coolio, it was Coolio's Coolio song. Coolio was in it. Yeah. Um, I'm an educated fool with money on my mind. Uh, Got the Dangerous Minds? Dangerous Minds. That's See? what it was. Hey. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had yeah. to sing the song to remember the movie. I, I wouldn't know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, no, you know, it's just um, all of our young men, you know, whether they're going to prom or not, um, after community service enough hours, they earn a suit, you know. So okay. um, that's ultimately my thing for, for the boys at the end of the year. You know, did you do enough community service hours or have you uh, set, have you met a, a, enough of your goal to earn your suit? We call Hell it yeah. Earn, it, earn their black coat. Okay. Know? So I buy them black suits and, and things like that. So, you know, the, the, the money that we that we raise or the donations that we receive that's that's what it goes to okay oh, nice that's awesome yeah, yeah. God, i want a suit hey i can't help <laughs> i was hoping i was hoping you probably had a couple you look like you're my size a couple sitting around here that i can have ah <laughs> uh, oh man i got i got like two two go-tos you know and i interchange the undershirt because i'm yeah, there you go, black, yeah. black, gray, blue. That's all you. That's need. all you need. That's, all you That's need. right. Okay. Okay. So end of the year, you get that going. You get the suits. Um, big picture. Uh, anything I'm missing, sir? Anything that you else that you want to add to this? I would just say, you know, there are a lot of organizations out there like mine, you know, that are grassroots that are really just doing things to 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 help, you know, better our community that sometimes get really, really get overlooked. And, you know, and we all believe, know that you've got to pay your dues, you know, before, you, yeah. you know, but there are some great organizations here in, the, in North Texas and, and I'm sure throughout the, the country, you know, that are doing awesome things. And I would just say, give them an opportunity. You know, yeah. uh, there are some organizations that are getting millions and millions of dollars. Uh, it won't Wounded hurt. Warrior Project. I'll call them out. 
<laughs> and and there there's some that you know where uh, a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks will go a long way for organizations yeah. like mine. So I would say you know um, as you know we're investing in the future, and I would. Uh, I know that if you plant a seed with us, you're planting in good soil. You know, we won't take advantage of the money that you actually give us. And it's important to continue our mission uh, with these young men. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, brother. Well, I appreciate you coming out. We have an hour and a half. I think we, we, if I can hit it home, but it's, uh, I think we did a good job, man. Um, all right. So how can they find it? Again, next metropolitan, uh, N-E-X metropolitan.org we took the t off there you go all right <laughs> and uh again it actually um it's north texas giving day starts uh september 1st here in north texas um that's another way to donate for to us uh if you search the uh, north texas giving giving day site or just on our website there's a donation link again 100 percent of the uh proceeds from uh that we receive go back to our young men all of my volunteers are strictly volunteers nice Nice. Well, brother, I appreciate you coming out, telling your story, um, hooking us up with this. But more importantly, man, I I love the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Because uh, it's not officers are already giving up a lot. But I mean, you're, you're giving up your personal time as well to do something that we know is right and something yeah. that's needed and something that helps the community. So I appreciate everything you're doing, but no, I appreciate you. And thank you for, you know, giving me this platform to hey, just man. come on and, you know, I do what I can <laughs> I do what I can. So, but thank I, I appreciate y'all. All right, man. Thanks for coming out. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by HRH Combat Arms. They can turn your vision into reality. They specialize in gunsmithing and Cerakoting. Your Cerakote specialist is Air Force veteran and retired police sergeant Paul Ware, a.k.a. the Sarge. He can Cerakote your firearms, auto parts, tools, even your sports equipment. This veteran-owned business is located at 5025 Saunders Suite, 103, Fort Worth, Texas, 76119. You can call them at 682-304-0363, and you can find them online at www www.hrhcombatarms.com That's www.hrhcombatarms.com